0: What should true wildflower honey taste like? Keep listening and we'll let you
1: know. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet.
0: And I'm Dean Ash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on several acres out in the country. Way too many. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists
1: for gardening. We love gardening and we want others to love it too.
0: Yes, we do. And we are afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Carol. Hello, D. What's going on in your garden? Well, let's first say, what is the temperature in your garden this morning? Let's see. I'll look, at 72 degrees. It's only oh 73 God. here, too. I just heard your thing go off. You heard Siri? Yeah, Siri likes to talk. Anyway,
1: keep going. Okay, so last week I said I was going to get my trimming done of all the shrubs and stuff. Yes. And I got it done. In spite of the fact that we got almost three inches of rain last week. That's a lot of rain. We got two inches in one evening. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a truckload of trimmings and on Saturday morning, I took them off to the mulch place for recycling and it feels really good to have that done. And I have to confess that I bought a new tool. Oh no, a new tool. What did you buy? I bought one of those WORX W-O-R-X hedge trimmers that's battery powered. I just love working with that thing.
0: I'm telling you, I have hedge trimmers from DeWalt that are also battery powered and it's the best thing to ever happen for gardeners because oh, yeah. they're so easy to use. And you just recharge those batteries and then you pop them on the machine and you just go. And so yesterday I trimmed up my lavender.
1: Yeah. And I was eyeing my neighbor, Caddy Corn across the Street's got a bunch of ewes. And I'm like, they need to trim those. I wonder if I should go over with my new trimmers and say, hey, you want me to give them a whirl? <laughs> That's because they're new and you want to play with them. And then the other thing that I did, and I normally wouldn't do this, but we have so much rain in the forecast and it's unseasonably cool. I had two lovely hydrangeas from Proven Winners trial plants. One of them is Firelight Tidbit, which is a dwarf petite shrub. They call it petite. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like three feet tall. And then Limelight Prime, which gets around six feet or so. And so where I had taken out some junipers, I planted those. Hey, hydrangeas instead of junipers, I'm all in. I'm all in too. So I still have one bare spot and I'm still thinking about what to do there, but we'll see.
0: What did you got going in your garden besides rain and cool? And <laughs> It's been actually, it's been pretty hot, except for we did have a cold front come through and it dumped two inches of rain in 40 min- 45 minutes. So you know the drill, the paths washed out again, but yes. we may have a solution and I'll share that in my garden commission. So that's and, the sixth time the paths have washed out this year? Yes, which that never happens in Oklahoma because we don't normally get rain past May. Well, you can't June say never latest. anymore. I can't say never anymore because who knows? All right. So for some reason, I only planted yellow cherry tomatoes this year. That's just wrong. It, that's all wrong, D. <laughs> And I'm really irritated with myself because I like to make this pasta dish with cherry tomatoes uh-huh. and I want red and yellow in it. So oh, why, did I just, do. why did I just plant yellow? I don't, I know. don't know. Cause you got all uh, flustered in the spring, just trying to get your tomato plants and probably so. So tomatoes and peppers are coming in hot and heavy now. And I had really good luck with my red onions this year and That's I harvested nice. a bunch of them. Yeah. But I'm sad about my shishito peppers. Because they have just not taken off. I think they're too close to the lavender. And I trimmed up all the lavender in that section yesterday. So maybe I've come up with a solution. But I could move them to the pot that had some pet, some of the potatoes in it. Because I have three smart pots with potatoes. But I think it might be too late. So I just harvested the lavender. What do you think? Well, how many shishito pepper plants do you have?
1: I think I have eight. Move four to the potato containers to see how
0: they do and leave four in the garden making an, it and I could do that an experiment I could do that it could be an experiment but now they have sun so I may just leave them and fertilize them a little bit because you could do but that, that is too. a good idea if I had started in spring I would have done that just as a test that would have been fun you know so, do we have well before you say that you know last
1: week we talked about is it too late to plant like peppers and chair and tomatoes and things mm-hmm. I was at the big box store and they have tons of pepper and- and tomato plants, because I think they ran out the year before, so they must have doubled their order. And some of them are in huge two-gallon pots, and some of them are still in the little containers. I'm like, don't buy little one. Four in inch little four-inch containers. containers? Don't buy those. Ooh. But they got I, a ton. Those, those are going to the dumpster, probably. Sad. <laughs> probably.
0: It is kind of sad. I always kind of feel sorry for the plants that are left behind. Yeah. Dumpsters. <laughs> so
1: do we have a quote? We do. The world is very old and sometimes sad, but when the daisies come, the world is glad. Cicely
0: Mary Barker. I love that quote because you can't be unhappy when you look at a daisy, can you? It's uh, really not possible. I don't know. It's not possible. And all of mine are blooming. Are all of yours blooming? Yes. My daisies are blooming. So, this week we're continuing our new series, which is Flowers by Form, a little botany for our listeners. Exactly. And this one is Capitulum. Yes. And the official definition is,
1: when numerous small sessile flowers are aggregated to form a dense inflorescence, as in a member of the Composite or Asteraceae family, which daisies are in. So, we had to look up sessile, which means attached directly at the base. So that led you down and to look at a whole bunch of pictures. <laughs> and it then, did. And
0: we found our favorite flowering image of a capitulum flower. Yes. And, and it shows, I'm actually opening it right now so I can look at it again. And it shows the Fibonacci sequence. Yes, which I thought was pronounced Fibonacci, but it isn't. It's, it's Fibonacci. Fibonacci. Which makes sense because he is um, Italian. Yes. So it's a, this one is of a sunflower, I think, because it, sunflowers are also capitulum, aren't they? Yes. they agree. Yeah. Because yes, they they're are. all part of that same family. And, um, so you're going to talk about the Fibonacci sequence, aren't you? I am. I can. Um, because we don't want this
1: to be a math podcast <laughs> by any no, stretch. No, we do not. <laughs> but the Fibonacci sequence, which occurs in nature, is you it's where you can just keep adding numbers, to where the sum of the two numbers, are
0: equals the next number exactly.
1: So <laughs> zero starts with zero, one. Zero plus then, one is one. One plus one is two. One plus or two. One plus yeah. two is three. Two plus three is five. Five plus Eight is 13,
0: et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. cetera, cetera. And it's also, it's in, it's especially, you see it in sunflowers, daisies, um, a lot of things in this, in the capitulum group or the Asteraceae family. And the other thing about it is you see it in seashells. Yep. Like, because you see it in the seashell as it curves. Um, There are lots of things in nature that have this sequence and you can really, really go look them up. If you want to, which I have. Yeah. And we'll put a link to a site where you can go
1: look up the Fibonacci sequence. And then you can torture your kids by making them write out the Fibonacci sequence in numbers. Show them how it works and then see how far they can go.
0: Yes. Especially if you're homeschooling. That would be torture. Or just if you you can't do that with a chocolate bar. you
1: know. Or if they say, I'm bored in the summertime, you can say, hey, do the Fibonacci sequence. (laughs) In chalk on the sidewalk. Then we will walk by and think these children are weird. <laughs> I'm going so to totally, totally give that to my nephew. <laughs> his, his daughter would uh, love to do that. She would be smart Yeah, I'm enough. sure
0: she would. I'm sure she would. Um, so for this week's capitulum, we decided to do sa- Shasta Daisies. And we did it because, and that's what our quote was, was about daisies. But right. we also did it because we just like Shasta Daisies. That's right. And Lise- Shasta Daisies are Leucanthemum times Superbum, which is one of my favorite things to say in Latin. Superbum? No, Leucanthemum.
1: Oh, okay. I, I always mean, call it,
0: a fun word,
1: man. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm always excited to say Leucanthemum too. So we have... Uh, Daisy May is a new one from Proven Winners. I looked it up. It looks pretty
0: nice. Yeah. And I think a friend of mine is growing it in her garden in Tulsa, and she loves it. And um, I grow mostly... Um, I grow mostly Becky, which was the perennial plant of the year. Not that long ago. It's still a really great daisy holds up its head this year. It is so freaking tall, but you say, of all the wait rain. a minute, you
1: say not that long ago, 2003, it was the perennial plant of the year. Well, I don't I want to tell you that that, that that was 18 ago. years ago, that 18 years
0: D that was a long time ago. Well, okay. It is a long time ago, I guess. And then the other daisy I grow in my garden, I used to grow Alaska, but I've dug it all out because Alaska flops and I don't have time for no flopping in my garden. Nope. i got enough plants that want to flop. And then I grow banana cream, which is also a proven winner's selection. And banana cream starts out yellow with yellow petals, and then they change to white over time. It's a wonderful, wonderful plant. That does too. sound nice. So mm-hmm. I got a new
1: one. I got a trial plant this year. I got actually got three from Pan America Seeds, right? And it is a dwarf called White Lion, and it gets it's supposed to top out at eight to ten inches. So you could put this one in the front of the border for a nice pop
0: of white right in front, which there. would be really pretty. Yes. And you know what? I think I also got that plant. Was it part of our All American selections plants?
1: No. No. Okay. This well, one I came, got another. Um,
0: came from Pan America seeds. Okay. So I don't know which one I have. I'll have to go out there and try to find the tag. I didn't know it was a dwarf, the plant that was sent to me. So it's in the middle of a border and it's basically hidden. So now I got to move it to the front. Thank you for the reminder. I think I'll do that this afternoon. Well, it's a reminder that never assume always read the label. Well, but as you know, all of these plants that they sent to us don't have descriptions or labels. And when you're out there planting like 12 plants all at once, do you run inside and search for them all online? I try to make sure I understand what I'm doing before I go out
1: there, D. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) You know darn
0: well you don't. I know. I know. (laughs) Let's go on to our next quote summer afternoon, summer afternoon, the two most beautiful words in the English language by Henry James, who was kind of a depressive, but apparently not in summer. Right. And so (laughs) we have to do this quote at least once every summer. Heck yeah. It's the summer quote, right? It is. Except we're talking about when it's time to start the fall garden. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And I wrote on, I wrote in our show notes, fall gardens are for overachievers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, of course you did because you live in Indiana, but in Oklahoma, usually we have a very long fall. And so it's longer than our normal spring season, except for last year, of course, fall ended right at the middle of October when we had that terrible ice storm. Well, we're going to hope that doesn't happen this year. And I think fall gardens are fun.
1: They are. And I would say in Indiana, you could also plant a fall garden and uh, where where you would get caught is we would sometimes have an early frost and then it would be beautiful for weeks after that. So this is a situation where there was a threat of an early frost and I really wanted to get some harvest out of my fall garden. I might be tempted to cover, though many of the plants are are very um, tolerant of frost.
0: Yeah, almost all of them are. And then if you have cold frames, that's another way to cover them. Um, If you're going to have a bad freeze or something. So I think I'm going to grow some lettuce and spinach and kale. And I might even try beets in the fall because, you know, I don't always get a good beet crop, but I'm definitely trying turnips because I think fall planted turnips are especially sweet so our fall planted carrots. Often you can just hold them over in winter in a cold frame and then harvest them in spring and then they're nice and they're nice and sweet. So if you would like to learn more about fall gardening in Oklahoma, the date of this podcast, my friend Karen Collier is speaking at Wednesdays at Will this month. She's a master gardener and she's going to speak on fall gardening. It starts at 6 p.m. and it's open to the public so anybody can go. And so it's you know, the orange is one nice thing about fall gardens, not so many bugs. That is somewhat true. Yes, indeed. So just something to think about. And then we I also put in a link um to Oklahoma State's fall garden fact sheet because there's a lot to fall gardening. And the complication here, of course, is the weather is hot when the fall garden needs to go in. And so right. you either start with transplants or you know, there's various ways to do it. I will defer you to Oklahoma State because I don't want to take up our whole time.
1: And I found, a, to a, get to. Yeah, I found a, a nice fact sheet from Purdue University, which would help people that are in Indiana, the Midwest, Ohio, Kentucky, Michigan, those places. This would be a very good use f- for them. So we will mm-hmm. include links to both of those. And then I also think that the fall garden, let's face it, we have leftover seeds and most of us are not going to really carry them over and use them next year. We're going to get all excited, going to order all new seeds. So this is also a good opportunity. Just use those leftover seeds. It costs you nothing really. And you can see what happens because it's, it's always a grand experiment sometimes. Isn't gardening always a grand experiment? It It is. So this, I think I'm going to use up a lot of my leftover seed and plant
0: many of the same things so we can compare notes and have something to talk about on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be awesome for fall because we need more to talk about in the vegetable category always. So you got another quote for us? I do. Funny that
1: you planted a tree, you watched it grow, you picked the fruit, and when you were old, you sat in the shade of it. That's Reginald Arkell from a book called
0: Old Herbaceous. Which is our book for this week. It's exactly. our book for this week. Did you did you get a chance to read it, Dee? I read, I read over half of it. And I, I tried to get through it this morning, but I got distracted. So it's really pretty good. Um, it's got a little sadness in it because he's at the end of his life. Yes. But, but it's
1: the, go ahead and tell us what it's about, Dee. I read it several years ago. I, kn- so I Well, know. it's
0: about a man. Um, okay, so a lot of people say that it's basically Reginald Arkell's um, memoir, but written in uh, novel form. So his character is... Bert Pinnegar, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, and so he was a he was an orphan and he was handicapped, and um, he goes from being a child that nobody knew who his parents were to a to the head gardener of an estate, and he's in his winter of his life and he's looking back on his life, and it is a little bit sad, but it's also pretty darn good and it's very short. It's another beach read. And it's from the modern library gardening classics. Um, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, he's, it's very, they, okay. So if you look at it on Amazon, they say it's a witty comic portrait of the most archetypal and crotchety head gardener ever to plant a royal bulbs of bulbs, a British country house. I don't find him very crotchety.
1: No, I think it's just the story of a gardener. And there's, they've snuck in a bunch of gardening wisdom and stuff, which is my favorite kind of book where they sneak in wisdom on you. Me too. And if you like, if you like just good stories, that, um, it's a good story to read. I was really struck by how loyal he was to the, uh, the lady of the manor, so to speak, and worked really hard in his greenhouse to get a strawberries to ripen in the wintertime so he could surprise the lady of the manor with, Strawberries one day. And I thought
0: that was very oh. touching. And he also went and found the exact morning glories that his lady um, saw in the French Riviera. And I'm going to say that those were probably heavenly blue. But she said it, the, the quote is so blue, so blue, it positively hurts. And blue is his favorite color. And he talks about that a lot as a boy because he collected wild forget me nots. I'm telling you, it's very charming. I think it it's is charming. a charming
1: book, and I think it's well worth a read. And so I did pull it out, put it on my stack, because um, I'm all into charming reads. You don't want to read
0: some of the stuff that comes out today.
1: Charming's what you want.
0: Uh, especially, yeah, in these times. Who needs more sadness and upset, right? Although you said this Unless book- it's a detective this novel. Is, yeah, a detective <laughs> novel is always a good thing. So... <laughs> So our Onward. next quote, so that that's, well, we'll repeat it one more time because that's what we usually do. It's called Old Herbaceous, which was his nickname, and it's by Reginald Arkell, who was a pretty famous writer. So our next quote, is it my turn or yours? It is your turn to do a quote. Ah, nothing in the world is quite as adorably lovely as a robin when he shows off, and they are nearly always doing it. Francis Hodgson Burnett in The Secret Garden. I love I love all of the secret garden. Yes. I love that whole book. I
1: read and it. That, I chose that quote because it was about birds. And I so know, and you're
0: about to tell us something really sad. So in our dirt segment,
1: we have a, we have a bird problem in uh, several states, including Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia, Washington, DC. We have some birds that are mysteriously dying and they do not know why. And mm. so it's a lot of uh, bluebirds not bluebirds,
0: oh. blue jays, blue okay. jays. I was like, if it's Robin. bluebirds, we're in trouble. Cause they, you know, they've just come back from being in no. trouble, but it's blue jays, which everybody likes a blue jay. Right. And I'm going to put us. a link to an article about this. That's from late
1: June and people should do some research to figure out the latest and the greatest, but these birds are mysteriously dying and their symptoms are they have crusted eyes. They, if you see one that's not dead yet. They look like they're having seizures
0: and they aren't afraid of people. That's weird. It's almost like they've got bird rabies or something. So here they, yeah. So they have told everybody
1: to take down your feeders, clean them with a 10% bleach solution, clean out your bird baths and basically don't set up a feeding station that allows birds to congregate. So my feeders, I'll, I'll admit they're up, but they're empty And I was going to, next time I'm down that way, I was going to stop at the bird seed store because that's got to hurt for people not to be feeding birds.
0: Yeah, except for I don't feed my birds in the summer anyway because I don't, I want them to go and eat bugs and other insects. And so mine have been down since I let Bill leave his, I let Bill leave up his bird, Bill's Birds Cafe up until about, I guess, end of April. And then I tell him he has to take it down because I, so. We don't have ours up.
1: I was still feeding them because I had some seed left over. And if Mm -hmm. you, that seed, I mean, all kinds of moths and stuff will sprout and they'll be all over the garage. And so I thought, I just got to use it up. And I was getting a fair number of birds at the feeder. And so I have just a little bit left and it's like, I either have to trash it or put it out for feed. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to, to the bird seed store people and see what they thought. But anyway- that is sad news. You it is also sad news. <laughs> have sad news. So this one, I guess the quote would be the uh, early bird gets the worm.
0: Yeah. So Oklahoma's problem, but I haven't seen it in my garden yet. Besides Japanese beetles, which I have seen and are causing all kinds of problems in my garden. The new thing is hammerhead worms, which aren't actually a worm. <laughs> it's by Pallium, and that's a predatory land planarian. I have never heard of a planarian before. I had not either. And then Karen, same Karen who's going to speak tonight, she um, told me about this because it came as a, you know, they tell them through Master Gardeners. Ah, It's so bad. Prefers hot, humid environments. It does well in greenhouses and in tropical and subtropical areas. And it, it can spread from greenhouses where, you know, you get your plants and it's a hitchhiker in landscaping, mulch, nursery industries. And so they spend most of their time under leaf litter, rocks, and logs. I'm sure they'll show up here eventually, under shrubs, out of the sun. But then they can come out onto the soil, driveways, and patios after a large rain. The way you're gonna be able to tell what they are is they're a hammerhead shark. They look like a hammerhead shark. They have the little hammerhead, but they're rounded. <laughs> but they're toxic to touch and stuff. So don't pick them up with your bare hands. Just gross. I know they're gross. And so we're going to link to that. And if you guys want to look it up, just go to our show notes and you can link to it. I'm going to go la, 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 la until they show up here, but just don't touch them. People get a plastic bag to get rid of the little creeps. I I found a a website called
1: allaboutworms.com that has the information.
0: (laughs) I'm like, there is a
1: website for everything. Allaboutworms.com. Mm, gross (laughs) okay so our next thing we have a new segment yes we decided last week we i made this suggestion we thought you know it's a pretty good suggestion the last segment we're going to talk about every week is called the rabbit hole and it's just to like tell you you what weird
0: thing we went down this week we yeah carol's gonna go first so it's our rabbit hole of the week Rabbit hole of the week. So I went down a
1: rabbit hole of junk journals, they're called. And yes. I call it scrapbooking for messy
0: people. And <laughs> didn't you have scrapbook supplies back in the day, Dee? Oh my gosh, yeah. I totally scrapped my, scrapbooked my first three children's full lives. Are you kidding? So I had a whole bunch of scrapbook supplies and it goes back
1: like around not the two thousand early 2000s. Oh yeah, and it was a thing. And then I quit and I have all these supplies, you know, and I just tucked them away in drawers and cabinets and stuff. But I discovered these things called junk journals and they're like these books you make with all that stuff, but they're not like all neat and prissy, like a scrapbook and I love them.
0: I want to make. Yeah, I think they're kind of pretty. Um, They kind of remind me of steampunk, which is a, yeah, steampunk and look up steampunk if you guys don't know what we're talking about, but it's that it's just kind of a cool thing. It is. And so I
1: was looking, I'm looking at all these YouTube videos of junk journals. So I'm not, I'm not binging on Netflix. I'm watching story people make junk journals. And then this lady starts talking about how she's using dried flowers and I'm like dried flowers. I, I totally was drying some violas. Mm -hmm. And so the next thing I know, I picked all these violas out of the yard and I put them all on paper and smashed them under a book. And then I went out to the internet again. I thought, I wonder if I did that right. I mean, how hard could it be? Right. And I found out you can microwave flowers to dry them. And then. I did not know that. I Well, here's the really crazy part, Dee. So one lady used a, like a heavy ceramic tile turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And then I clicked on another video. And she actually had a microwave press that she could buy. And then it mm. occurred to me,
0: Dee, I own one. <laughs> See, listener, she's not telling me anything I don't already know because I went and read her blog post about this. And I I laughed myself silly this morning because I was like, of course you have one. I I, mean, how Victorian of you. (laughs) I bought this thing probably, I'm going to
1: guess, 20 years ago. I don't know when I bought this thing. 15 years ago from Lee Valley. (laughs) It's not for sale anymore, but it's these two really heavy clay tile plates and then the absorbent material in between. So yesterday, even though it was kind of rainy in the morning, then it cleared up. I was running all over the garden picking flowers and I have dried like 20 different kinds of flowers and leaves. It was like, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds. And then I put them all, you know, they're almost dry and I put them in a book. Anyway, I'm going to make some crafts out of my, I'm just, that is the biggest
0: rabbit hole. Okay. So go, when I had little kids, yeah, this would have been a project we would have so done. So oh, yeah. instead of making your kids do the Fibonacci sequence, you could dry flowers with them instead in your microwave. Yes. And
1: fun. this is totally something we would have done in the summertime when I was a kid. We were always doing crafts to keep my mom same. She'd she'd come up with crafts for us to do in the summertime so we wouldn't sit around going,
0: we're bored. What can we do now? <laughs> yeah. My mom just made us clean house if we said we were bored. So mm. we went outside. But you went so down to do hear. I want to okay. hear about your rabbit hole. So yesterday I did a heart honey harvest. I got my heart. That's so hard to say. I got my honey harvested. Now there'll be a fall flow, which will be goldenrod. Right. but I got my summer honey in there's some buckets behind me. It's in those buckets and pretty soon it'll be in jars. So I got about 35 pounds of the best wildflower honey. I have ever, my girls have ever done because this is my, Third year to get honey. My fourth year say. as a beekeeper, right? Yeah. And so what does wildflower honey taste like? That was our teaser. It should taste like summer flowers, of course. And it is way better than just regular clover honey. Although I did have clover too, I didn't just have clover. They, I had lavender and a lot of other stuff. So my son and his best friend, he texted me yesterday. He and his best friend did a honey tasting of my honey against others they bought at the store. And this was actual honey. Right. And I thought that was really cool. And they thought mine was best. Of course they did. And local is always best. And here's a caveat that I wanted to tell people, read your honey labels in the store. Even at an organic store that I was at the other day, I was reading honey labels because I'm interested in that sort of thing. And on the back, one of them said it was not pure honey. And some beekeepers, especially those, especially honey imported from sadly China, they add sugar syrup to their honey. So it is not pure honey. I would never buy Chinese honey. Never. I don't buy any Chinese food item. I don't buy Chinese garlic. I don't buy Chinese dog food because they just don't have the same um, system as we do. But even in America, there's, they, if it's labeled honey, it has to be honey. Right. And it's inspected, but there's another thing called honey syrup or something. And I saw that in a store the other day and I looked on the back and it had sugar syrup with it. You should just get real honey because you're saving beekeepers and you're also saving honeybees. So your honey should taste like flowers. And then I was watching a video. That's my rabbit hole part of it. I was watching a video and Margaret Cavillion, who we talked about last time, she said for every kilogram of honey, which is two point two pounds in the u s it takes fifty thousand bee foraging trips. Wow, so your bees went on a lot of foraging trips. I was going to do a lot math. yeah, I don't do math, so that's it, and so it's why we need a million well more than a million, more than a million, and that's that's Maybe. really I mean they're little tiny bees and I said to my husband yesterday, "Well, bees travel All the way. They travel three miles if they have to for honey. And he goes, that's a long ways for one little girl. That is a long way. So we need to plant more wildflowers. This is the only preachy part of this. And more flowering trees because it helps native and non-native pollinators. And we especially need to help them with fall flowers. Like asters, asters are one of the best sources. So I've been studying honey bees again, and I watched a really interesting talk by a Vermont beekeeper. It might be too long and too geeky for our listeners, but it's called A Year at French Hill Apiaries, and his name is Mike Palmer. And guess what they use as one of their first real honey sources? I know the answer to this because we talked about it this morning. They use dandelions. There will be people who tell you that bees do not get on dandelions. He has pictures, so they do. And, so I'm not going to feel bad about the dandelions in my grass. I can and so you want to,
1: a funny thing about dandelions is yes. when I was out picking stuff, I found a dandelion and I picked it and I quickly, quickly realized that dandelions wilt really fast. And so by the time I was ready to dry the dandelion, it was a wilting mess. And I threw it in the trash. <laughs> well, poor dandelion. Oh, well, there'll be more. There's there'll always more. more
0: dandelions, right? There are. So what are you going to do in the garden this week? What is your garden commission? My garden commission is, it's supposed to
1: be kind of rainy today, tomorrow, part of Wednesday. I want to get the grass mowed, of course. Uh, Mm -hmm. I got to keep weeding because uh, I got half of this one bed weeded that I really want to get going. I'm starting to pick some squash. I hope to have some green beans. I've started to pick a few peppers. My tomatoes are really far behind, but I'm kind of going into, I don't want to say maintenance mode in the garden, but maintenance mode in the garden, the big got to do this by this date stuff is done.
0: Yay. What's you got going? Yay. So I'm going to continue to cut back the lavender that's finished blooming and maybe it'll bloom again. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Depends on the weather. Um, I'm going to fix the paths again and we're going to put in a dam of these bricks to change the flow of the water. So we don't lose the entire main pathway. Bill and I are going to work on that this week. Um, also I'm cutting back my lily scapes and I'm deadheading daisies And I'm taking photos of butterflies and bees. And I'm speaking at Bustani Plant Farm on September 10th and 11th on pollinators, which is one of the reasons I'm taking pictures. Very good. Well, we want
1: to thank everyone for listening to the Garden Angelist. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us.
0: Also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your gardening friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there.
1: Yes. And be sure and check out our show notes and links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own website. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking
0: through on them, we earn a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the Garden Gate today. Bye until next week. Bye.